Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome to the Words, Words Over, Over Whiskey. Whiskey podcast, episode three. I'm your host Henry, and I'm joined by Tom. <laughs> you Sorry, can... <laughs> you sound really you. enthusiastic this time. You, you can tell you've already been drinking. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't help it. Long yeah. day at work. Yeah, already on the cider. Yeah, and now onto the whiskey. Onto the whiskey. And so for this episode, we've been looking we... forward to this one. It's been sitting on the on the on the desk for a while now. It's been tempting you. You've been like, oh. Try, want, want to try it? Want to try I it? I wanted to buy more whiskey, hide it behind that whiskey, so it's got like a shield wall of whiskey. <laughs> shield that wall makes of whiskey sense. to me, it stop you drinking. I should get that t-shirt. Shield wall of whiskey. Shield wall of whiskey. Don't think it really protects you from anything, though, would it? You'd have to put a lot of whiskey in front of you to stop. No, it's to protect you guys from me. Yeah. Well, you just give you a bottle and leave you for five minutes. You'll be fine. Hence the shield wall. I have yeah. to finish that bottle. We get into the next one and the next one and the next one. What's this one called? Then? <laughs> Anyway, so the whiskey we have for um, this week is a Japanese whiskey, and it's called Nikka Whiskey from the Barrel. Now, this is a whiskey that I've had before, but it's been maybe three, three years. Three since, years we've been to try this. No, three years since I <clears throat> since I last had it. I had it once at a pub, because it came as their recommended one. It was really nice. I remember enjoying it, but I haven't had it since then, because I've never seen it anywhere since then. And uh, we found it in a shop, and we picked it up, so... Uh, it's uh before we start it's called Nicker whiskey from the barrel it's called yeah Nicker okay. whiskey from that name is very dangerous when i was talking about it to someone else i very nearly slipped up and said to bird i really shouldn't if i slip up again i'm, I'm sorry it's too similar i'm trying my best <laughs> i think i know what you mean that for you or yeah that's good Quite hard to pour that bottle, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a square bottle. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite quite a small bottle and it's quite square. Like the bottle neck is really, really short. Yeah. That's it's, quite, it, it's like, it's a, that's, like a stubby little... Is that 70 centiliters? No, it's 50. Oh, that's cheeky. Yeah. Smells nice. Smells a bit oaky. Yeah. It smells like every other whiskey that's meant to sell <laughs> them oaky. I'm not going to lie. It, it'll be interesting to see, like... Later on in future episodes, if we become proper whiskey, because if, if I can smell, if you if you can blindfold me, put different whiskeys under my nose, I can identify them by smell. Is it, I'll be is it um, uh, wine like wine? Is it sommeliers? Wine sommeliers? They're like the wine experts who like sniff it. And you're probably pronouncing taste. that wrong. Sommelier. 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 I, I don't know. Anyway, let's give it a give it a taste test. Cheers. Cheers. That's nice. That's nice. Again, and that's that's really s- smooth, but then with a slight. Kick afterwards. A slight kick afterwards, yeah. Not not an unpleasant kick. Quite, no, um, not at all. Like the smoothness blends quite well into I'd say it. it's very strong. Yeah. Very strong. Wait, what is the... I think it's... Uh, yeah, 51.4. <laughs> okay, very strong. But um, yeah, it's kind of... You don't really get anything and then you get a, a, a hints of flavour begin to come through and then it kind of goes from that smoothness to a nice oomph. Mm. I think that's how I describe. There's a nice, nice oomph at the end. It does have a lot of kick, not a strength. Has to have a bit more though to actually get that. Yeah, I wouldn't it's say just to get the flavour. I don't think I can taste that much from the beginning. No, it's kind of subtle, and then there comes in almost a bit of sweetness. I think a bit of sweetness, a, bit. a hint of smokiness, and the kind of. Might be the chocolate I had earlier though. <laughs> now, did you have the? Because in. We the guy really... I bought this from said this was like the dark horse from this brewery. Yeah. So it's my, not... whole, my voice has become husky after drinking <laughs> that. Have you noticed? Because it's not... Because um, I know Japanese... We've, ones we've tried before, not on the post, like Yamazaki, they're, they're Japanese. But I don't know who... I don't know who makes this. And I... They, 
trying to look for the tasting notes and everything on the bottle, but it's all in <laughs> Japanese, and funnily enough, I can't read that. Well, either the Japanese have found a way to condense loads of words in one character, in like a few characters, or there's literally no description. But I managed to find online on masterofmalt.com a description. It's actually in three different, like, like their thoughts have been categorized in three different head under three different headings. So bear with me while I read off this. Masterofmalt.com. Right. So on the nose. So I'm assuming that means the smell. Yep. Medium body with good balance. There are notes of cut flowers and fresh fruits, spice, and a little oak. Huh? Definitely got the oak. Definitely got the oak. I don't know about flowers. flowers. No. Flowers not something I would associate with whiskey. In fact, if I poured whiskey on flowers, I would expect the flowers to die. <laughs> fresh fruits. Yeah, it's, 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 that, that's, that's, the, that's the sweet you mentioned. Mm. That's the sweetness you mentioned. Um, but this is the... Um, is this, this is still the smell, not the... Is this tasting notes now? Oh, no, we'll get onto that, I think. Uh, yeah, so you should be able to smell sweetness. I don't, I don't know. No, I got like a hint of oak. I think that's about all I got from it. The palate. I'm assuming that means the the taste. Full-bodied and punchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, punchy. Like I said, with the oomph. I felt punched. This is plenty... There is plenty of winter spice and toffee, a little caramel and vanilla, and a good mouthful of fruit. To be fair, I I agree with that. It was sweet. I don't want to say fruity, but I can get where they're coming from. I can get like the vanilla and caramel. I can, yeah, yeah. And toffee. I can definitely get that with the, the the sweetness at the start of it. Um, and then the finish. I assume that's the aftertaste. <laughs> the burning sensation at the end. The burning <laughs> sensation. Long. <laughs> yeah. All right. Warming. Yes. 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 And fruity. A little oak and spice. I'm definitely getting the oak and spice bit. Like hints of those. Especially in the smell, I get the oak. The flavour, I get the sweetness and then the punchiness of it. Again, it's the... I can't really see the flower, flowers, smell and flavour coming out. I don't know I really like whiskeys that are a bit unique. I don't want to say overbearing, but I, I, I like that sort of thing. Yeah. And so I, I like this one. I like it's, how it's... It's memorable, how it, like how it goes in with the, the subtle sweetness at the start. And then, like it says, the punch, the oomph. It's quite refreshing, because usually we tend to go for quite smooth whiskies. We look quite like a nice smooth whisky, but this is quite refreshing in a way to have for a change because of that bit of oomph to it. it. It's not like an overpowering smokiness like we had with the Smokehead last week. Or last episode, rather. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's nice. I would, I, I, I would definitely have this. I again. still really like the smokehead. In fact, I prefer... I think I'd rate the smokehead over over this one. Mm. Nicker from the barrel. Whereas, yeah, I tend to prefer smooth to smokiness, but I quite... <clears throat> Your it's, voice it's get, it's getting, well. Your voice is <laughs> gone as well. It, it's, it does catch you a little bit at the back of the throat, but it is, it's not unpleasant. It's nice. It's I, nice. I, I'm it is it. nice. Yeah. Um, I've got the names of the... Apparently it combines single malt and grain whiskies from a, two Japanese blend, distilleries. I'm not even going to try and pronounce those. Would you like to try and pronounce those, Henry? Let's have a look. No. no. <laughs> so I have a go. Miyagi-ko. kyo Okay, that's one. <laughs> and Yochi. Yochi. <laughs> Okay, we probably <laughs> apologies to those two distilleries because we have brutalized we, your names. We've butchered those. No, brilliant. They have been butchered, but we do love your whiskey, though. Mm, mm. I'm enjoying it. I, I, th- I think I would, I would go and I'd have that again. It's nice. There you go. Three, three year wait. Worth it. It's nice. It's good whiskey. Oh yeah. Nice. Are you getting memories from when you last drank this? 
not really because I don't remember much from that night. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember. I do remember because I think I wrote it down at the time because one of the bar people recommended it. They were like, "This is a really good whiskey. Give it if you like whiskey, try it." And so I tried it. Really liked it. So I wrote it down. So the next time I saw the name, I was like, "Oh, I remember that whiskey. It was really nice." I haven't tried it. Let's try it again. So yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a very good one. There we go. That is the that's the whiskey tasting. So Tom, what have you been reading? Since our last episode. What's Since been, our last I think episode. Last episode you'd um you'd almost finished I'd almost finished The Way of Kings with Fadden Sanderson. And I spoke a lot about the Way of Kings, and I think I've ranted a lot. So I'm gonna move on from that and talk about what I've read since. Um which hasn't been much, actually. That's beside the point. So as soon as I finished Way of Kings I thought, you know what, I want a lighter read. I want something that's just going to be a quick, easy, light-hearted, adventure type thing. And I found a book called Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. And I thought, Assassin's Apprentice sort of sounds like a bit like Hitman, but fantasy. That'll be great. That was nothing light about that that at all. <laughs> nothing light at all. It was really heavy. Interestingly, I was on, I don't know if it was Fantasy Nation or Fantasy Hive, a forum online, and uh, there was a thread about the worst books, worst fantasy books people have read. And this actually came up on it. <laughs> I, I, a lot of people I've spoken to who've read this book actually had a problem. Oh, before I continue, sometimes I talk about books and there might be spoilers. They might slip out. Uh, Henry, might, Henry probably won't read it. So I'm, normally I would just say it to him anyway. Mm. So if, if there was a spoiler, I, I, I do apologize. Moving on. The main character, the protagonist of Assassin's Apprentice, fits. A lot of his decisions readers found very difficult to come to grips with. They were all so self-defeating mm. and depressing. I think Robin Hobb, the author, has a really good way of portraying her characters as human. Yeah. And the, despite their best intentions, life sort of gets in the way of what they try and do. And they do sort of like get beaten down. And I do, I, I think that is very realistic. Mm. But also, in a way, I wanted something light-hearted and easy. Mm. <laughs> I didn't want to read about... God, it was very depressing. <laughs> didn't... So give give like one example in a way, not, not without giving too like much spoilery stuff away, but give like a easy example for like myself and the audience to be able to understand. So he would be feeling down about something that's happened, and he would. This is the main character. The main character, sorry, yeah, the protagonist fits, and he would deliberately ruin a relationship with other character, with another character, because he's in a bad mood. I know, I know people in real life who do that. They're in there feeling bad. Someone else will try and talk to them, will try and engage with them, and they'll just shut them down completely. And it's all, it could, they could lose friendships. Yeah. Uh, and so I, that's I think why it's, it's happened in other novels as well. Happened in other novels as well. And TV, it's why I think it's realistic. Everything. But Fitz does it too much. Like, I, I, if I, often when I read, I try to put myself in the shoes of the protagonist. I'm sort of like, okay, I might not have said that. Obviously, he's a different character to me. Yeah, but it, if he really cared about these people, he might have tried to do more to maintain that relationship. And it's very frustrating as the reader. We want to read about assassins' apprentices. Yeah. We don't want to read about his midlife crisis. <laughs> but he stays a child for most of the yeah. book. Oh. <laughs> a child crisis. That makes sense. Didn't um, I think I remember uh, reading the blurb of it when um, you showed it to me. Don't, don't all, a lot of the characters have like really weird names, like chivalry. Yes. And, so like, it, it's not, it's not a spoiler. It's on the blurb of the book. The royalty in this world, they're named after a characteristic or trait that they embody. So there's chivalry, Prince chivalry. There's Prince Verity. 
There's Prince Regal. I don't know how Regal is a trait, but apparently it is. So it's a bit ambiguous in the book whether they start to embody this trait and so they're named after it, or they're named after the trait first and supposed to embody it. What, what traits Fitch then? So Fitz. Um, is he not royalty? Therefore, not I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna answer that. Okay. Whether he's royalty, whether he's royalty or not royalty, because that would be spoilers. Mm. Well, actually, it's on the pleb, but it's ambiguous whether he's royalty or not. Okay, I was gonna say. I'm trying to, I was like, Fitch. That's not. That's that's not a it, um, characteristic. What am I trying to say about characteristics of royalty? Now you've just tricked me. So you, I, I remembered now. Human beings do not choose a particular trait and then embody that. Okay. Naturally. Yeah. Like, you know, I didn't wake up one day when I was a child and decide, right, I'm going to live my life following this one trait. I'm going to be aggressive 24-7 or whatever. And they call me Prince Anger or something. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, um, kids just don't do that. It doesn't happen naturally. Mm. So they must be named after it. It is my interpretation. That's not confirmed in the book. And if that's the case... Imagine having to live your entire life following this set of rules that you can and can't behave. I mean, I mean, yes, anyone who's lived at like a medieval court will have to do that. But this is different. This is 100% your personality must conform to this. Mm. And I don't even... I don't think anyone can do that. Now, how was the... How was the actual story itself? Like the... You said like you're a bit unsure about the certain decisions of the characters. It made you not enjoy yes. it. Yeah, like, yes, that, that's what I was, I was getting story. at with his relationships. Yeah, I thought the world building was actually pretty good. Hmm. There were some unique civilizations, and although I am getting a bit sick of kings and fantasy in general, <laughs> um, you need to read some more non-fiction or maybe some sci-fi. Yeah, maybe. But this is from the eighties or nineties, I think. So oh, okay. kings went old back then. I thought the build was quite good. Characterization was excellent. I didn't like many of them. <laughs> but then I don't like most people, so <laughs> it must have been good characterization. Plot-wise, yeah. Not, you know, there weren't amazing plot twists that had me guessing. There were lots of dogs in the book, and lots of... Uh, the, the Robin Hobb obviously loves dogs. They get lots of attention in the book. There's lots of heartfelt moments with dogs, and I liked that. I'd say it was average. Mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. Okay. I wouldn't say in December, when I look back over the books I've read this year, it's not going to be in the top five or even the top ten. Hmm. But it, it was okay. Would you read any more in this series? Because it's a series. It's part of a series. Yeah, it's part it? of a series. No, because it's called Assassin's Apprentice. And there wasn't nearly enough assassins. Or assassinations, I should or assassinations, say. Yeah. Um, although it was Assassin's Apprentice... And the main character, without giving, you know, it can't really be a spoiler. If the book's called Assassin's Apprentice, he is the apprentice of an assassin. He doesn't do any very much. <laughs> he just doesn't do very much. <laughs> he just doesn't do <laughs> That's the problem with yeah, the book. <laughs> he doesn't do very much. Um, the title's misleading. It's, it's definitely chosen by the publisher mm. to make people go, oh, Hitman but Fantasy or something like yeah. that. And that's not really. I reckon if Robin. I, I, I have no proof to back this up, but I reckon Robin Hopper called it something else if he had the choice. Mm. But that's not all I read since our last part, our last episode. I also read Captain's Fury by Jim Butcher in his Codex Alera series, and I much loved. I much much more prefer the style. So this, is, this is different from the Harry Dresden series that we've. This is different about. than the Harry Dresden so series. Is, is this a, it's the same author, but um, he was heavily inspired when he was young. I think there's a story at the end. There's like a little note from the author at the end of every Harry Dresden book, and he mm. talks about how he got into fantasy 
uh, I, I'm not certain if I'm getting this right, but I think he was ill when he was a child, and his sisters bought him uh, the Han Solo trilogy. Sister books about Han Solo, obviously. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings. And he ate through those and was addicted from that point. So Harry Dresden was his first entry into the genre. And it did really well. And it, it is a really good series. I highly yeah. recommend it to anyone I meet. I, I can I can agree. Tom recommended it to me and I've really enjoyed it so and far. The part you are now, the books can get really good. It's going to be a bit of a, of a, of a dip. And they're going to get even... They're just going to soar. And you're just... You get, you get get through that dip and you will never look back. But he's always... His true love is always... I think has always been actual fantasy. Or at least he's always wanted to write high fantasy. Epic fantasy. Yeah. So this was his series. And Jim Butcher is Jim Butcher. He does what he does. Um, his characters are great. His plots are great. Not you know, it's not going to be a ridiculously mind fuck screw. You're not going to be outsmarted too much. You'd be pleasantly surprised, but mm. you're not going to go it, whoa. Because um, like one of the things I really like about the Harry Dresden books is how almost very human and relatable Harry Dresden is. Like he. He's that he's a wizard and stuff, but he's very relatable. Like mm-hmm. stuff he does or stuff he says and stuff he thinks. And by the time he's read all the other books, he becomes like your friend. Yeah. He becomes he's like um some guy you've met up with for a catch up and he's telling you what's happened to him since mm. you last saw him. And you're invested like an old friend who you're catching up with again. You don't get that in Codex Alera. Um, it is more just straight. It is epic fans. fantasy. It's yeah. it's not focused on one guy, there's multiple characters it follows. Um, I would not say it's in the same calibre as Dresden Files, but yes, I would like some more whiskey. Thank you, Henry. That's, <laughs> a, that's a worthy introduction. I would definitely like some more whiskey. Um, for the for the audience, <laughs> just gesturing at Tom, bottle, <laughs> pointing bottle, pointing at glass, pointing at bottle, pointing at glass, word, yeah. like whiskey me or something. Or, <laughs> whiskey me. <laughs> have you seen that um, uh, that clip of Matt Berry from? Uh, what the series is called but he, he, he walks to a bar and goes whiskey and it's like yes or it should just be a simple question would you like more whiskey yeah but we could just say <laughs> no, that no, that's just us, a lot easier yeah um, right it's not really a spoiler because you can read it in the blurb or online but I love the magic system in Codex Alera I love it so much. Mm. I've always been a long-time Pokemon fan. You gonna... mentioned this you mentioned to, to me like a week or so ago about this and it sounded really interesting so, so in this world, there are... Okay, minor spoilers, I suppose. In this world, there are these natural spirits called Furies. And they have elements, and humans... Well, Alarans in this series can control them. They can, buy, they can like, psychically connect with them, and they become theirs, and they give them powers. And I think that's really cool. And they can will these spirits to manifest physically, and they can fight. Or they, you can force the fury to give you the human superhuman abilities like if you have a metal fury you can resist pain and you can use a sword really well if you fire fury shoot fire i don't i think so you can also affect you can also make people afraid of you because it's fire yeah. if you water fury you can uh sense emotions and you can heal people using water and so on and you can also you know if you're in water you can make a tidal wave etc mm. that's really cool i really like that my problem... Just like, go, go collect them all. <laughs> go catch them all. <laughs> well, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. So, in the first book in the series, Fuse of Calderon, which I've read years ago, I was really in- interested. Oh, tradition. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Trying to whiskey. speak and drink whiskey at the same time. Um, so, is this this isn't actually the first book in no, the series. No, the, the oh. Captain's Fury that I've read is 
Um, so I thought this was the first book in the series. No, sorry, I should have mentioned. Four books in? Yes, four books in. So this is the fourth book in the series? Yeah. So I've oh, got okay. four books, and I think there's two more to go. There's over a thousand pages of all the books that I've read in this series so far. And we have not once seen someone capture Fury. That's Every fine. character we've met has already has either got a Fury already, mm. or doesn't. I think this was something you mentioned to me the other day, was it that... It's un- I-, I feel it's a little bit underdeveloped. No, isn't it? Um, like underdeveloped. The, the, the fury is like you could pass them on or something. That was another yeah, aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, if you're quite old and you're a noble and you're you kind of you would pass on your fur- some of your furies because you, if you're a noble, you could powerful ones to your son, so he can you know keep your house's honor intact. Because if Isn't anyone it? challenges you, like if you're head of the house and you're quite old, you might not yeah, win. A, you mentioned this, where there's a class system built around them. Like the more powerful ones you are, you have the higher like your status is. Your... This is cool until I learned you could pass them on. I'm like, well, then it's not actually earned. It's just the same as any other nobility system, but with fury instead of money. But I guess in in that world, then you could go and like, well, as you said, you haven't actually seen anyone catch one of these You're going to say you can go out, find a new Fury, yeah. and become more powerful. Actually, no. There's prejudice in the book. Spoilers. I keep saying that. I need to be more careful. There is prejudice in the books against... If you're if you're born a peasant, mm. people will view you as a peasant. Mm. And yes, you could join the nobility, but there has to be a vacancy. If your local count dies and he's got no heir, then you can go, well, I've got a very powerful Fury. They go, okay, fine, you can be a count. You can become a citizen, which gives you more rights because you're more powerful, but you can't actually become an actual noble. It, it, it's complicated. That wasn't the point I was trying to make. The point I was trying to make is <laughs> this world has a very, well, be, uh, lots of culture, basically, heavily based on the Romans. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, I know that sounds right on my alley. <laughs> right. So when you think of Roman military, Henry, what do you think of? I think of the legions. Yes, right, thank you. Legions. The military system in this world is legions. Mm. And people fight in legion cohorts mm. with those big square shields and those and gladiuses, literally with gladiuses. Right, yes, you're happy. <laughs> I get that. In fact, many people are probably sold. But think about it. What did I say earlier? You can manifest your fury yeah. into, a, into an actual physical form. Everyone has one. Has at least one fury. So how does that work? So why? This is my question. Mm. This is my rant. Spoiler alert. Why <laughs> has strap your nation... Strap in, everyone. <laughs> strap in, because I'm going on a tangent. Why would everyone in your world decide, I am going to fight and die? I mean, your fury could do it. It's the equivalent of Ask. Go walking in with Pikachu to a gym battle saying, Pikachu, step back. I'm doing this myself. Jimmy's like, I've got a giant rock snake. got an onyx. You're going to get hurt. No, I'm doing this. So is there... This might be straying into spoiler territory, but does anything negative happen if you have a fury and that fury were to die? Do you just simply lose it? Well, again, can, can we, they even die? We don't see that. The furies can die. That, that I'm given to understand. I think it. Would, I don't know. There'd be a psychic backlash, probably. Hmm. But we've not seen. Well, four, I don't, four I don't, books in, you still haven't. Four books in, we've not seen someone catch meet a fury. Hmm. We, we've not seen. That's interesting because that makes me want. Well, as someone who hasn't read read it, that makes me. Are they actually going extinct? Do they no longer exist? We've not and... seen a fury die either. Okay, that we know of. But this uh, this is actually making me really intrigued by this series and quite wanting to read it. And read find it, out and, for myself. It's, it's just it's a really interesting magic system, and you can discuss it a lot. But I I really feel 
they could Jim Butcher could have done more. It felt like Jim Butcher couldn't decide between writing a military fantasy based on the Romans, or he's come up with this amazing medic system. What's the run with that? He couldn't make it make it up. So does the military stuff feature quite heavily in the books? Yes, well, in the later books. My problem is there are some plot points that you'll read and you'll go, "That was amazing," and you'll and I'll be like, "Yes," but if the fuse were used properly, it could have been avoided. Mm. And and that's that's been my problem. Sort of like. No one's using the Fury. So everyone's taking them for granted as what they can do, but no one's actually exploring what they could be used for. Okay. Uh, And so it was great, that um, Captain's Fury by Jim Butcher. I enjoyed it, and it was a breath of fresh air after Assassin's Apprentice and The Way of Kings. It it sounds good. I'm I'm intrigued, and if you say there's like four or five books in the series, I'm... And it is an author you can trust. Yeah. I have not not read Jim Butcher. I've enjoyed his Harry Dresden series so far of what I've read, and that, that sounds really interesting. Like I said, I... You love Romans. I, I like the Romans. You love cool magic. I like cool ma- magic. I like good fantasy series. I like Jim the Butcher. Char- you'll fall, Jim Butcher, you'll fall in love with his characters. They're not to the point where you fall in love with Dresden, but you will you will like his characters. Mm. And there is, I would say, it's actually, there's some parts of the plot in the series are more complex. I, I, I still don't really know what's going on. Mm. Not that that's difficult. I, in my life, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but it does annoy me because if I had a fury, I could probably do better. Not not to you know blow my own trumpet. But I could probably save more lives, achieve more than these characters. So that's where well, I'm at with those books. I might have to give. I might have to give those a look into and give them a read, and then we can compare notes. And it sounds it certainly sounds interesting. I'm quite might um, if you have the books, I might have to borrow them off you. I do. Um, I, I don't think I've got all of them with me here, but I'm sure I'm sure I can find. Find the first one. I can give it a read, and then, yeah, that does sound interesting, despite your gripes with it. But you enjoyed it for the most part. I did. Seems, I seems. did. It was. It was particularly particularly compared to the last two books yeah. that you've read. Yeah, I've, I I do prefer. I like the stakes higher and the more action, faster pacing, hmm. and more focus on characters. Talking of characters, we'll get onto a book in a minute that I know you are dying to talk about. But before that, I will talk about the two other books that I've read before we get onto the the big book that you are really, really, really eager to talk about. We've been waiting for you to read us for ages. Yeah. So since the last, I think I mentioned this at the end of the last podcast that I just started. Um, uh, Rick Riordan's um, Charles of Apollo: The Tyrant Tyrant's Tomb. Tyrant's Tomb. And Rick Riordan, he's an author who I've read for a long... I think I've read him since since I was maybe, oh God, in maybe year four, year five with his Percy Jackson series. So what you're saying here is he's a children's author. Yeah, yeah, he's he's (laughs) primarily a children's author. Young young, adults. I'll be be kind, Henry, and let you have young adults. Yeah, and I have to admit I am at the point where I think I have grown out of these books. Because with the Tyrant's Tomb, I'd... some of the books I've been recommending you are much darker. Yeah, much darker. Yeah. I think the thing was I've got so many of his books. I've kind of got like I've amassed a collection, and so I've I think with this I've kept on buying them and I haven't been enjoying them as much. I still love Rick Riordan. He's a great author. He's so diverse in the way he writes his characters. He's fantastic in that. They, they are reflective of real life young yes. people as well. Yeah, like It's not just a bunch of white college kids. Mm. All ethnicities, I believe, are... Ethnicities... Are um, presented. 
all ages, ages, characters. There are characters with disabilities. There are characters with mental issues. There are characters without mental issues who happen to understand the characters who do have mental issues. Different um, sexual preferences. Like there's characters who are bi, straight, gender fluid, and he he explores it, or he he creates his characters which with such love and care that. It's very I, refreshing to see. He's a and professor, he's, he, isn't he? He's a professor. He's a professor, yeah. He, I think... History, I think. Uh, it's because his way of portraying these young characters, they're, they're the students. Mm. I reckon if you met students he's teached in the past, they would resemble these characters really, really closely. Yeah. I reckon he has based these characters on his students, which on the one hand is really sweet, and also a bit weird that he's <laughs> paid this much attention to them. But I think, uh, I do I do love Real Real, and I love the, his his books, the Percy Jackson series and everything were part of my, of uh, growing up my teenage years and everything. I've been reading him for ages. And The Tyrant's Tomb, I I did enjoy it overall. I found the start was a bit slow for me. It took a bit of time to get into it. And then the second half, it got a bit more, it got a bit pacier. Stuff was going a bit quicker. There was, there was a big battle and stuff. And that kind of drew me in a bit more and, Made me read the book a bit quick. I think at the, yeah, at the start I found it a bit slow, which I think it was actually exact same as the previous entry in the series. I think I think there's going to be one one more in this current. Um, Jim Butcher, I got completely confused yeah, there. Rick, Rick Riordan, thank you. He he has that fast pace and focus on characters that I really like. Mm. I haven't read him for as long as you have. Yeah, but I do agree with you. Where he. By this point, he has become this old friend. Yeah. He's one of those authors who has a formula. Yeah. Yes, the characters change drastically between novels. Yeah. yeah. But he has this very ordinary, very relatable young person who gets involved with mythology that turns out, you know, to be real and goes on an adventure. Yeah. And that's the formula. And he battles gods and monsters. And normally there's a sword involved that's, like, mythical. Yeah. Those, this, this is Apollo, so he's got a bow and arrow, and he's got a battle ukulele as well. Battle which, ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> which keeps on getting broken and repaired and broken and repaired, which is quite amazing. If anyone plays a ukulele in my vicinity, I do break said ukulele. <laughs> but beside the point, it, it, he has a formula, and it works. Mm. And he's <laughs> wrong as much as he can yeah, out do. of this formula. Yeah, he's, he's created this kind of extended universe of various mythologies, which... He's, he's done Egyptian, he's done R- Greek and Roman, he's Particularly done Greek. He's, mo- he's, he's done mainly, Greek. mostly focused on Greek. But then there's so but, many stories you can yeah. build on, so many. Uh, I do, I really, th- this book in particular, I think I found it a bit slow at the start. It picked up towards the end, I enjoyed it more. I know there's one more in, coming in the series. I think, I think after that, I think I have grown out of the Percy Jackson universe and... It will be kind of sad to see to see it go. It'll be like seeing an old friend go. But I think, I hope. I think it's time, Henry. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I think. I hope. I really enjoy Rick Riordan as an author, and I love his work. And for any anyone of like a young age or who wants to try and get their kids reading, I highly recommend the Percy Jackson series and all like the various the. Kane, Kane, the Kane Chronicles, the Magnus Chase books. Highly recommend those. But um, yeah, I hope to, in a way, I hope to see from him almost a step away from it. I Would hope you like to see him write a more 
adult. Yes, I think I would. Books. I think that would be really. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what he, it almost. Is, he, I, I could almost feel like he could do. Have you ever read American Gods by Neil Gaiman? Yes, I've read American yeah, Gods. Yeah, American Gods. I almost feel like he could kind of take his expertise in mythology and everything and make it a bit more adult, like American Gods, because that's quite dark, it's quite dark, and dark and in its way. But gritty a little bit. Yeah, I almost feel like he could... Gods can be gritty. He could almost... Cre- I feel like he has such an extensive knowledge of mythology that he could create his own. He, um, he could have the darker aspects of yeah. mythology. Like... A lot of it was toned down for Percy Jackson. Mm, like, mm. I did. I did notice that. Uh, I don't want to say he always put. He always puts like a com- comedic spin. Yeah, on yeah, and, and, and that work that works in a lot of mm. cases. But in other cases, I do get a bit annoyed. So I'd be like, well, this character was very, very dangerous in the in, in mythology, and here he's being referred to as Bob or whatever. And yeah. it, it does annoy me a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, I. At first, I wasn't enjoying it too much. I thought, oh, I just kind of want to get through it. And then it got a bit pacey and I began to enjoy it more. So, yeah, it's good. I'll, I'll read the next one. And then, yeah, I think, yeah, move on. <laughs> anyway, moving on to my next book. Um, he author who was in my honourable mentions from last year. Uh, Admiral... The guy who wrote How to Make a Bed. Yep. Okay, uh, you, talk, you spoke about this. You spoke a lot about making your bed. So I actually bothered to make my bed. Oh, good. <laughs> did, did you well, feel... I woke up once. It's normally made, for the record, at some point in the day. Did Did you feel... With... No, no, I didn't. I woke up, and I straightened the duvet and the pillow. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel no difference. Maybe it's just me being deliberately right, defiant right. of this guy's teachings. Okay, that so I'm that, that book's only 150 pages. I read it in two days. I'm pretty sure you can do the same. I will lend it to you. It might be, it might be free or, or very, very cheap on Amazon. I could probably, probably pick is, it up. But otherwise, I can lend it to you for free. Anyway, um, I love that book. It was on my honourable mentions from last year. But uh, Admiral Jamie McRaven, um, his latest book. Jamie McRaven. That, that's McRaven. It's a good name. It's a good name. name. I'm jealous. I've got name envy. Name envy, yeah. So his latest book, Sea Stories, uh, another book I read uh, since the last podcast. Again, this is going back to my personal preferences. It is about like special forces and motivation. N- uh, n- I wouldn't say motivation. It's more about it, it, it is kind of not all. It's kind of autobiographical as to what he's done. It was his some of his early childhood, his uh, his SEAL training, his career. It's when like he was a really adventurous child, so he could. His father was in the um, U.S. Air Force, and so he was kind of brought up in uh, with a military background in his family. So it, he naturally progressed into the military. He uh, became an officer in the Navy SEALs, but he he survived a really bad um, parachute accident where he hit like his uh, he was falling in the uh, he kind of crashed into someone else's parachute um managed to pull his but the way that the parachute came out it almost like kind of tore his this is gonna be quite graphic but he kind of tore his legs away from his upper body oh god yeah um and like so it caused intense like damage and the doctors weren't sure he was gonna be able to recover but he did and he went back to like active service he went back to commanding like so it is motivational <laughs> if you break your back falling from a parachute you too can yeah no no but it is no. inspiring it, it, yeah it's, it's inspiring. inspiring it's not oh, yeah i think inspiring is the better that's word, the word i'm looking for it's inspiring that 
he went through this and yet he had the strength and the nerve to he he recovered he went back to his career in the uh, navy and he he went well, he became a four-star admiral in the end which is really high up what's um, the equivalent of a four-star admiral in british ranks? oh i i i have no clue I'm admiral of the rear <laughs> front is, is there a rear admiral and a front admiral I like don't. a middle admiral <laughs> Have I, I had not enough or too much whiskey for this conversation? I think if you're talking about rear admirals, probably too much. But well, you're talking about rears yourself, Henry. More whiskey, more whiskey, please. Anyway, yeah, his career stretched to the point where he was head of like special forces, special forces operations for the U.S. So he was for the, the whole U.S. for um or in a certain it, like the counter count, counterterrorism. So he was head of operations for counterterrorism. So basically he he was the one who helped implement the plan that um took out Osama bin Laden. So he he was the one who gathered the people together. He was the one who prepared briefs for President Obama at the time. And so it's really really interesting and this is this is going to be a slight tangent but this is one of the stories he told in it. Um we can thank him for the one uh, being the person who implemented us having to get laptops and iPads and shoes and everything checked at the airport because it's his one- fault. <laughs> he even apologizes for it. But, but basically, there was a terrorist incident where a terrorist had put like um, an explosive in his shoe. He'd been, I think, he'd been found. Um, but after that, McRaven suggested to higher ups that they should get people going into the airport to take off their shoes get laptops checked because of like because he ran he's he went to professionals and said like if they had this much explosive or anything in a laptop or a shoe or anything could it cause damage and they're like yeah it could so at first he he suggested that to the higher ups and he was like i only thought it was going to be implemented for a few weeks <laughs> sorry everyone <laughs> <laughs> So I like that, that. That was quite funny. I, mean, I've, I don't think I've had to take off my shoes at an airport. Um, no. If the, if, if the, I think it's more prevalent in America, actually. Maybe. But if, if someone walks through the metal detector and it goes off and they search you and there's no reason the metal detector's just gone off, I'm always that person. I'm always <laughs> that person who gets touched up by some sweaty middle-aged balding man who thinks I might be a terrorist. And I try and talk in whatever language that they speak and then just look at me like, no, stop trying, Tom. Sort <laughs> up and take this. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh god but um i think one of the main one of the main things i liked from this book was the kind of respect and admiration he uh, admiration <laughs> slurring admiration my, uh, yeah slur, slurring my admiration with them slurring my words there god um, you've had what one and a half glasses of this no i mean it's stronger than usual but is it is this, is this stronger I, than usual i don't know <laughs> how much the smoke head i don't smoke head how much uh, smoke head? Which conveniently on the desk as well. That is it stays on my desk. I need it. I need. I need the strength to so get through this my is day. A, this is a tangent to see how strong the whiskey we drink. Oh, blimey, you've drunk a lot. Oi. Uh, forty-three. Okay, so this is a good eight percent more. Yeah. This is, this is like we mixed that whiskey with that cider I was drinking earlier. That was drunk cider. <laughs> anyway, going back to what I was saying Sorry. after the tangent. Um, one of the things I really admired in this but was like the respect and admiration he has for those he's both worked and fought alongside like his comrades. And he even like in, 
it's very clear in the book, like he says, I'm proud to have served with my fellow Americans. I'm proud to have served with these people. Like there was a one of the chapters is dedicated to people he's gone and seen in uh, hospital, like people who've like one guy who'd lost all four of his limbs. Oh God! And the guy was just like, I just he was like, I want to be there to greet my unit when they come home. And um, Raven, he was just like inspired by this guy, like. He's he's lost all four of his limbs, and yet he's he's willing to get to the point that he's recovered enough to greet his the guys from his unit when they come back. And I really I really like that. He just showed such respect and admiration for those that he's worked alongside. No matter if they were higher or lower than him in kind of like the military pecking order, he's just like they they've served their country, and I res- I respect them, and it's been an honour to serve beside them. And that was just that was really. I really like that bit. That's inspiring as well. You yeah. really like these inspiring books. Don't yeah, you, Henry? I do. I like, I like books that are motivational, inspiring, and I like a lot of books on mindset. It's amazing the positivity. Like that guy, he lost all of his limbs, but he was he stayed positive despite it. Oh, like that that guy I read a bit about in that book you showed me, who'd gone blind, but still managed to go and hunt, or still managed to go mm. and and do things that. Traditionally, you need to be able to see to do. Yeah, it didn't. But he's like, I, I might be blind. It stopped didn't. me from doing what I was doing before. Yeah. I'm like, well, yes, it will. But then it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was a really nice follow up to his previous book. And I, I hope he, I hope he does other books as well. I'd be intrigued but to see what else he It sounds like he's writing these books on his mindset and his experiences, but it only has so much about of those, unfortunately. So I'm not sure how what no. I think he's got more things to, more stories to tell. I don't know. No, I think you're right. I think he's he's done the one on the mindset the make your bed. He's done the one on himself and the people he worked with. But if he did release another book, I would be I would certainly be intrigued to see what he's he has to say because he's a I've seen interviews with him. I've seen like a speech he gave at university. He's a he comes across as a very approachable yet inspiring guy. But um yeah, so Sea Stories by Jamie McRaven. I really enjoyed it. Uh, finally, Can and now this is gonna this is gonna oh I mean take take up a, a good portion of the conversation, right? So probably yes, rest of the podcast. So if you're if you're bored of books at this point in the com- conversation point in the com, we're not we're not gonna talk about anything else. I'm podcast. sorry, we're not. It's yeah. words over whiskey. It's words over whiskey. We, we do whiskey talk about over words. I get them wrong with that. I keep getting I, them I, confused. I think, I think we've had enough whiskey for it to be soon. <laughs> Ivor or. Ivor or. What is going on this on in this podcast? Because I swear the previous podcast we've been quite focused. Whereas this, it's the knicker from the knicker whiskey from the this barrel. This is the point. We, we, we drink the whiskey. And if it gets to our heads, then it's yeah. a good whiskey. If it doesn't get to our heads, then we've either got a worry intolerance or it's not strong enough whiskey. This is a book that Tom has been telling me to read. I've for been recommending ages. you this book for ages, and I finally, I finally got my, around to reading. In my opinion, this series is the best entry in the Grim Dark series in um, genre. Yeah, so some I, people would say Grim Dark isn't a genre. I don't care yeah. uh, if it is or isn't. If those of you who believe that Grim Dark exists, this is, in my opinion, one of the best entries. Mm. So yeah, I had some, I had a bit of free time from work, so I was like, right, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read this book that Tom has recommended so highly. Well, actually, actually, you blackmailed me. You've been wanting to put me to play the video game Horizon Zero Dawn, or whatever it's called, for ages. And we made a deal. You would read the book, 
if I played the game. You're the one who suggested this. <laughs> I'm counting it as blackmail. I haven't you suggested it. <laughs> it's not blackmail. Okay, it's a okay. transaction. It's a deal. I said, okay. I'll read this book if you start the game. And you haven't even started the game yet. And I've finished the book already. Well, I didn't want me to start the game and you to give up on the book. So I if I start a book, this. I very rarely give up on it. I think there has only ever been three books that I've ever given up on since I've started. I might have given up on a series if I didn't enjoy it. But I've only ever given up on about three books since I start them. I usually see them from the start. I've to given end. up on a lot more books than that. I won't. I won't lie. But um, finally, Sorry. name of the book. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> all, despite all those tangents, and the name of the book is "The Blade Itself" by Joe Abercrombie from the first law series. From the first law series. So it's the first in the series that Tom has been recommended to me quite a while. It's one of my favorite fantasy and series. It's one of his favorite fantasy series. And I can see why, because I really, really enjoyed this book. Yes. It is it is a really good book, but the perfect way to summarise it, and you've said this to me before, and as soon as I finish the book, I know exactly what you meant. There's a lot going on without a lot happening. Mm. And that is the best way to summarise the book. We don't mean that in a very con- we don't mean that in a condescending way or a way to put the book down. Like, you might think, well, I want a book with a lot to happen. Why why you there's I actually, like that. thinking back, quite a lot of filler, I want to say. But when you read it, you won't realise it's I, filler. I wouldn't call it filler. I'd call it world building. Yeah. To me, okay. it felt yeah. like world building. Yeah, that's building. fair. I stand corrected. Because it's, it's about a 600-page book, and it focuses on about three central characters and a few kind of supporting cast characters who are also quite important. There's a lot to it, in a way. It's delivery. It's execution. I, is so... Spot on. You're you're reading it. You're finding out about these characters, and you're learning about this. Um, I'll, it, actually, I'll go into that in a minute. It's a deconstruction of typical fantasy characters. Yeah, the characters are deconstruction. So take your traditional character stereotypes and turn them inside out. Mm. And those are your characters. Like you've got your your noble knights, your your military officer, and yet he's kind of a bit of a bastard. Yeah, yeah, literally. Or you've got your barbarian killer. But he's actually nice. Yeah. Most exactly. of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> and then you've got your kind of clever, insightful guy who's actually doesn't like many people. He's no. kind of in it for himself and he kind of hates everyone because of his situation. Or well, you've literally got your Gandalf figure. Who will quite happily make people explode. Literally, he is the opposite of Gandalf in temperament. Yeah. He's a bold, Imagine angry man. Gandalf if he was willing to abuse his powers. Yeah. That's a massive spoiler. We should be, yeah. This is, we should be very uh, not, careful. Not too much. But, sorry, sorry about that. But, hopefully, you've read the book. <laughs> well, hopefully, they will after we've talked. Yeah, maybe. As Tom said, it's a deconstruction of these characters, but it makes them almost more human. They're, because they've got flaws. They have flaws. They are you deep, they the are rings, deeply flawed, characters. and it looks amazing. But if you met these people in real life, you'd be like, "Are you for real?" Mm. Like, no way, someone. They are the perfect like fantasy characters they're your heroes they're perfect they go through they defeat the villains 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 i'm not forgetting this by the way i'm not forgetting this this is coming up again they defeat the villains villains but villains shut up but in this villains sorry i'll stop but in this story the characters are very it's like what i said with harry dresden he's a very relatable character because he comes across as human he's a human character it's the same with this it's a fantasy series but the characters are human but they are they have their flaws they they're not all powerful they're not all powerful they're not perfect they 
have their flaws, they have various character traits, and it, it just makes them really interesting. And the world that is being built around them, with like you kind of said filler, but I said world building, there is a lot of world building going on. And I, I think said the filler, but you won't realise no. that's what it is. You'll think it, it, the filler's so good, you'll think that's the book. And, it's and then really the book enjoyable. will get going, and you'll think, no, actually, this is the book. It's picking up now. Yeah. And I think the best, I thought, the best way I can describe this, there's actually two good ways I think I can describe the f- The first is, because it's part of a trilogy, isn't mm. it? It's it's building, it's putting down the building blocks for the rest of the trilogy. It is, here are the main characters, here's some information about the world, and now we're going to go and learn about them in the next two books. And some people might think, oh, I don't, I, I want to get invested in this book. I want to, I want to learn about the world in the first book trust me it is the delivery is it, the delivery Spot that joe on. crombie puts into it is I, i'm i'm so drawn in i want he's he's put in so much about other countries in the world about the the history and the lore of the world that i want to go and learn i mm. want to go on this journey with these characters because it is going to be a journey because the this book is about these central characters basically coming together the best way i think i can describe it is you take the lord of the rings you make the characters a bit flawed you you gather the fellowship of the rings uh, fellowship of the rings dickheads maybe (laughs) fellowship of the yeah you you get the fellowship of the rings together and you end the book there it's spoiler alert spoiler alert but it is this culmination of these characters together and they're about to go on this adventure to go on can't to wait the, to do it with yeah, I can't wait, wait to For learn more. Who are still sceptical? Jim But So I keep Joe saying Ab- Jim Joe Abercrombie. Joe Abercrombie. It begins with a J. He's also written standalone novels in the same world which explores other cultures. So if you're going, oh, but I want to get everything from this one novel, he has standalone novels that reference these novels but do all of what the first Lord's Trilogy does in one volume. Mm-hmm. Which I, I just think they're as good as the trilogy because the trilogy can spread it out more and have more impact. But um, Best Served Cole, The Heroes are really good as well. Yeah. And you're going to read those after you finish the first little trilogy, Henry. <laughs> spoiler, well, spoiler for you alert. <laughs> oh, there are other books? <laughs> oh, yes. You're not done. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this book because the characters are great. The his building blocks that he's put into the world are fantastic. There's, there's other cultures, there's countries, there's a hints of magic. It's very Game of Thronesy that in the magic yeah. sense. It, um, I've heard it. I don't know if it's called low fantasy or whatever, but the way the magic is presented is the characters that you see through the eyes of the point of view characters, the protagonists, they don't understand the magic. No, someone else does. And trust them, they know what they're doing. But the point of view characters are very superstitious. They don't understand how it is, accept it for what it is. And they, they have to adapt to it. Yeah. And I like that style. Yeah. Because although you, the reader, might not understand the rules of the magic system, you're learning with these characters. You're learning with these characters. And also, it has more of that shock fa- ca- factor. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know they could do that. Yeah. But Abercrombie. Got it right. He never abuses it for plot purposes. No. It's not like the magic solves all. It doesn't, doesn't da, 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 solve. Da. It doesn't really solve any problems at all, except no, for one probably character. Co- it probably causes more problems. It causes more ca- more problems, but not for that one character who uses it. Not yeah. for Baez. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah, I think it. I right. think I think I am. For him, it's fine. Mm. <laughs> but then he is quite selfish. I want to say. Mm. But yeah, 
I think characters like Baez, that he's not one of the central three. He's one of my favourite characters. He's an interesting effect, character. I think. Across and then, all literature, I really like him. There's some lines he has, he's especially the, he's in the, the character that draws draws the kind of the main three characters. But I really like the supporting cast as well. There's Baez, mm. there's the other character, West. I think I actually... Re- I actually West, really, West is quite... I do like him. He's, some shit's going to happen to him, Henry. Okay. I, I was kind of expecting that because, well, spoiler, he goes to war at the end of the book. But yeah, the supporting characters as well are really well done. And you want to almost... He, do, Joe, he, he does focus on the central three characters, but he does also dedicate time to these side characters because they are important to the story as well. And I really enjoy that. And it's really... I think it just adds, adds I, a bit I more to the enjoyment. Logan's crew. His old crew of North Bay yes. killers. Yeah, they I, have their own. I, I really like how each one is like a accomplished fighter in their own right, yeah. and I, I just, I really like everything that happens yeah. with them. Logan's one of the central characters for reference. For reference, I really like his character. Mm. He is also one of my favorite characters for all literature. But I, I do like this crew he's collected of hardened veterans. No, and the, and we, the won't, we won't go into spoilers, but we're trying our best here. <laughs> yeah, we may have said a few. But yeah, there's a cent- there's a focus on the central three characters. There's some really good side characters. There's these other characters who are in another part of the world, that a different band of characters. But it's yeah, he's it, what Joe Abercrombie's done. He's put down these perfect stepping stones. It, that's it. It's stepping stones leading onto the next two novels. Yeah, it's there's a lot when happening. When you finish the trilogy, Henry, it, you will have a very you'll really feel like the dominoes have I was gonna fallen. Th- there'll, there'll be a void. I'll be like, I, I need more. Yeah, there will, be, there will also be that void. But it'll really feel like the dominoes have fallen into place. Mm. I would, the last person I want to play at chess is Joe Crombie. So I reckon he will destroy me. He'll think so far ahead. He'll know exactly what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it. And he'll have like 10 strategies in place to deal with it. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you recommend it because you've been harping on about it for so long. I'm not the only one who's recommended it to you for the, for the record. Yeah, no. other you, Someone else who we know has read it and he highly recommended it as well. I think you told me to go straight into the next one. But I, I, I really think because they do pick off exactly where the last one left off or very close and there's not much time spent recapping the last one yeah. like if you started with the not second too one much the series, expo- or exposition really no not at all it just gets straight on with everything I mean so if you leave it like I don't know a year before you read the second one which is I think before, I think before they are hanged yeah you will be at a loss I think I'm, I might leave it like a, a month or so whilst I read a few more books on my pile <laughs> Although I am really envious of the edition you bought. It looks so pretty. Yeah, I got the special 10-year edition, which is although nice hardback. Although after it. we record this episode, I'm going to show you the edition I've got. And it's got like a matte parchment as the cover. And it's so nice. If, uh, the the only that... reason I bought this book to begin with was the nice cover. Like I say, don't judge really? the white cover. You didn't, it wasn't recommended you just bought it on a whip. Well, I was, in, I was in Waterstones. And Waterstones have these little placards mm-hmm. on the shelves saying underneath the book saying we recommend this one here's why and they have like a handwritten review from a worker in the shop yeah and i didn't i didn't read it but i didn't read that i didn't bother but it was there so clearly someone thought it was good and i was just stroked the cover like oh i had some money <laughs> i can just imagine you in oh stroking the book and it's like it's like, oh, okay it's just like the appointment he, 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 just, like, um, he just loves books and it's like a customer's like is that bad okay <laughs> He just loves books. Um, and yeah, so I bought it then and there. And I think I read it, stayed at my grandparents and read it. And I just fell in love. Mm. 
and my gran is, was a massive fan of murder mysteries. And she said, is there murder, many, many murders in it? I'm like, yes, there are many murders, gran. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> but it's okay. Everyone knows exactly who killed who. Yeah. Because it's not very subtle. I'll, le- I'll leave it a little bit before I read the next one. Just because there's other books I want to read beforehand. But I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the next next book in the series. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> Most of the episode has been taken up by uh, what we've been reading, but anything else that you can think of that's come up recently? Any books? Books? What? What? What are you going to read next? Now that you've, what's your next book? I've just started the second book in the Mistborn series. Originally it was a trilogy, but then he imp- introduced more sequels that I think take place after the original trilogy. Mm. I'm not certain, but I'm a big Braden Sanderson fan, despite the way of Kings, and I've read the first. 50 pages into Miss, the second Mistborn book. See if, I'm, you, I'm see if it's interesting, like see it. if you enjoy it more. Than this the... is another one with a really interesting magic system, Henry. So there's people in this world, and they can, in, if they ingest metal, if they consume metal, they condense it down to little flakes in the, which they put into a liquid solution. They're not literally chewing on iron bars. Okay. But they ingest <laughs> metal, then they can supernaturally burn. I'm using finger. Con- finger quotation marks here burn the metal inside their bodies and depending on the metals they burn they have different supernatural powers so for instance if they burn steel they can push metal objects like coins particularly coins away from them the really interesting thing about the magic system is Braden Sanderson incorporates actual science hmm. so if I have a coin and I burn in steel and I drop it on the floor and then push again finger quotation marks push against this coin then obviously the coin is at the floor so I push them against it it's not going to move anywhere because I can't push the earth. But it'll push me back because I'm pushing against it and the force will push me back. So I can use it to push myself really high into the air. This is incorporating actual, actual science, science and physics. I can then, it. when I'm really high in the air, pull against that coin to slow my fall so I can land, like, gracefully. Hmm. Not that I've ever done anything gracefully in my life, but <laughs> this, is, this is a scenario. And people use that to fight or get around hmm. and so on. And that's, it's a really well thought out magic system. It, it, Braden Sanderson has put so much thought into this magic system that he's literally the authority in creating your own fantasy magic system to the point where if you can read articles on Branderson's free law, so Branderson, oh my god, <laughs> Sanderson's free laws. <laughs> we should just shorten it to Branderson. Branderson would be so much easier. Maybe I'll email him and say, I'm refer to you as Branderson. <laughs> Someone must have done it somewhere. Branderson. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see next episode once you finished it how how it compares to your opinions on the other book. The originals, the first book in that series, I didn't connect with too much. The characters felt human. The plot was really good. It did surprise me, but it somehow felt a bit empty. In the world building, everything's covered in this ash, all this mist all the time, mm. and it really felt like. Grey and bland, mm. almost in the writing. But on one hand, that's an achievement. On the other hand, it felt grey and bland. <laughs> what are you reading next, Henry? Um, You've just finished. Was it today you finished? First law was that yesterday? Yeah, yeah, no, yes. Days blow to one for me. These literally days. this morning, I finished it like the last thirty pages. So I think my next book, I'm going stepping away from fiction a bit, going back to my special forces love. Um, no more non-fiction. No, I, I do, I do enjoy my lo- non-fiction. I do enjoy learning about <laughs> real world stuff. <laughs> but um, I'm going to another special force guy. He's um, 
he's not one of the SAS head who dares wins guys, but he I think he he's a colleague of theirs. His name's Dean Stott, and uh, the book's called Relentless. And I think again he's another one who faced injury and yet has recovered from it, and he's gone on to achieve great things. So I think he's done a lot of work for charity. This is all just what I'm going from from the blurb, but. Yeah, I think looking forward to reading that, and then after that, I think I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna gonna go from one non-fiction to a fiction and ba- balance the two out for a bit, because um, I think after that, I'm gonna read a historical fiction, which is Bernard Cornwell, who I think I've mentioned yeah. previously, yeah, the, um, the Last Kingdom series, yeah. the most recent one of those, which has been sat on my shelf for a bit. So I I'm, still don't I'm, know if I like Uhtred, the protagonist. Yeah, I do. Um, some things he does, I go, I like you, and some things he does, I go, I don't like you. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna probably read that next because that's. I'm just trying to get through a couple of the books that have been sat on my shelf for a little bit before I start the big pile that has been sat on my desk for a while. But whilst I've got a bit of time off from work, I'm. I'm reading a lot as well as looking for other work. <laughs> Not that I'm unemployed, just taking time. <laughs> you are employed. You work for me. Uh, yes, I as I take every pain to remind you. Mm. Well, we work for the same company. You just happen to be my boss, but we also happen to be friends. Yes. Uh, dear, Lucky but, for you. Unlucky yeah. for people who aren't my friend. <laughs> uh, too much real world going into this. Um, <laughs> other than that, uh, I'm trying to think games. Why I haven't been because I've been reading so much. I haven't really been playing games and been splitting my time between Witcher Three and Breath of the Wild. I'm well, to... I'm debating getting a, a Switch yes, you're getting, for yeah, all the thinking... new Pokemon games that. I've been coming out recently i feel like i need to connect with my childhood more <laughs> pretend i'm not 23 have more whiskey yeah, thank you yes that'll help forget. that will always help <laughs> yeah no breath of the wild i've been playing when i've been a bit more on the go because it's transportable and witcher 3 i've been playing when i've been at home because it's on my pc been enjoying both quite a lot um yeah what else oh there's the new sonic film new sonic mm. film which i've heard is actually really quite good so i'm i might i might go see that i'm quite tempted to go see that if it's good i love jim carrey oh yes of course jim carrey is good apparently he's really good in it but he's, he's very, really good in whatever he does let's be yeah, honest because it is just jim carrey just plays jim carrey yeah and, but i think he is i don't want to say born for dr eggman but he will play he'll be a good dr eggman yeah interestingly mm. someone me and you both know they grew up in the village, and the original creator of Sonic lives in that village. Hmm. He looks rich enough that he owns half of said village. <laughs> and apparently he's a total arsehole, but I, I, don't quote me on that. Hmm. Interesting fact. Fair enough. Yeah. Want to meet the creator of Sonic? <laughs> You'd be like, are you the arsehole who created Sonic? <laughs> <laughs> and well, that, like that, you might be okay. Oh dear. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us on this episode. I think <laughs> at this point, still need to get social media and the episodes out. I think this is our third episode at this point, but we will. I'm waiting on someone to finish editing. <laughs> yeah, I need to. Get, I need to get on and finish the editing process. But once that is going, we'll be able to provide more detail as to <laughs> where the episodes are coming out. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, maybe something else. Didn't you say? A couple of other... Okay, we can put a post it on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. I mean, in fact, YouTube might be easier because we can put backdrops of the covers of the books we're talking about. So if anyone missed what, what, what we said the title was, they can see on the screen. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank we'll you very much for being here. Wrap the episode up. Joining that conversation. Yeah, join it, yeah. But thank you very much, and we will see you next time.